Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Maybe you have heard of the story of Eric Little. It was featured a while back, many years ago, in the movie Chariots of Fire. If you don't know, Eric was an incredible runner, incredibly fast, but he was also a very committed Christian, and he was recruited in 1928 to be a part of the Olympic team for Great Britain. The problem was, when he got to Paris that year, he was told that the 100-meter qualifying heat was to be held on a Sunday. Eric wasn't going to run on Sunday. He had convictions that Sunday was the Lord's day, and it would be dishonoring to God for him to run on a Sunday. My, how far have we come. The British team appealed to the Olympic Committee to change the date of the heat, but the Olympic Committee wouldn't budge. And it became this big scandal, and the British newspapers just skewered Eric. Let him have it. He became a laughingstock worldwide because he wouldn't run on a Sunday simply because of his faith. His team switched him to run the 400-meter race instead of the 100-meter race. And if you don't know anything about that, there's a completely whole different set of training one would go through to run 400 meters as opposed to 100. But yet against all odds, Eric won that race. At the end of that race, he said something very, very, very familiar. You may not know it, but you will after today. He said, those who honor God, God will honor. You know, to make a difference, you have to be different. Eric Little made a difference because he stood on his convictions and honored the Lord, and the Lord honored him. So I guess, really, we've been asking this question is, is, do you really want to make a difference? I believe everybody wants to make a difference. Last week, we started kind of in on this concept, and we covered a few things In Daniel chapter 1, and you can turn there in your Bibles, we'll go there in just a moment, but I want to bring you up to speed about where we're at this morning. First of all, we covered last week that you can embrace the plan to be different. God has a plan for us to be different. It's to be salt and light to the nations, to be different, to be holy, to be set apart so that we can reach them with the gospel. And so a lot of times we learn that people sin and it puts us in crazy situations. It was the sin of the people of God that got Daniel taken into captivity. So we learned, first of all, that God overrules sins of people according to its plan. God had a plan for Daniel to be a missionary in Babylon. (laughs) But people thought that they were in charge. And then we learned that God often scatters people according to His plan. God began to remove His people from their own homeland and scatter them throughout the entire world world because that's what God wanted his people to do. And then we learn that we can endure the pressures to be different. Not only can we embrace the plan, but we can endure the pressures. And Daniel and his four or his three friends, they went through some things. And we talked about first of all how they, they faced isolation context. And when the enemy and the world is trying to pressure you to be like the world, you're gonna have to endure that pressure. So the world's going to try to completely isolate you from those things and people and places and and those things that would help you to grow. They're going to isolate you from that. 
Daniel was isolated from his family, and then we learned that you would face indoctrination concepts. They're going to begin to teach you everything that is on planet Earth. That's why our school systems are infatuated and just constantly, overwhelmingly trying to push a certain agenda, and the classes are taught from a worldview to indoctrinate people. The school systems in America are just full of indoctrination concepts to bring people around to a certain way of thinking. And then I made up a word last week. You may face ingestation. Constance. I know that's not a word. I made it up. I told you. I'm a doctor. I can do that. (laughs) But they were forced to try to eat what the Babylonians would eat and drink what the Babylonians would drink. And this world is going to try to force you to eat whatever it's handing to you going to drink the Kool-Aid of the day. We talked about that. You're going to have to endure that. And then you may face identification confusion. And so the Babylonians there began to try to change their names. And that will appear on the screen here behind me. We learned that they changed their name from Daniel, meaning God, or El, Daniel, the Elohim, Daniel, Elohim, God is my judge, to Belteshazzar, Baal, Belteshazzar, Protects the king from Hananiah, Yahweh, Hananiah, God Yahweh has been gracious to Shadrachu under the command of Aku, Shadrach, that's changing from one God to another, Mishai Elohim, Mishael, there is none like God to Mishaku, Aku, there's none like Aku, the moon god, or Azariah, Yahweh, Azariah, God Yahweh has helped me to Abednego, the servant of Nebo, the god of wisdom. See, they tried to make them different so they'd be different, but they were different and they made a difference. So what is it that we have left and what could we possibly cover if we're going to make a difference? Those two alone are great, but I think we need to dig a little deeper into the text. So this morning, I would ask you just to rise to your feet. I'm going to read again the chapter here in Daniel, because what I have to say is it's not half as important or anywhere near as important as what God has to say. Endure, if you will, the reading and ask God to speak to your heart. Maybe what could be in these words that the Lord may have brought you here this morning to hear? In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered, who's this king ordering? Ashpenaz, right? The chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family of the nobles. Remember, we talked about that Daniel was from the royal line. Youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge. I was thinking, man, when I was a teenager, they would have probably picked me then, if that was, the de- <laughs> that was a description. Maybe not. Anyway, who had the ability for serving in the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated how long? Yeah, and at the end of that, they were in the king's personal service. Now, among them were the sons of Judah, who were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. Daniel, he assigned the name Belteshazzar. 
Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. I have an African-American preacher friend who says those names should be like this. He says it should be Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. That's what he said. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's how the brothers preach it. I'm not a brother. I just thought you might need to know that. But Daniel made up his mind. What did he make up his mind, church? What did he make up his mind? You tell me what the text says. This is cr- incredibly important that you get this because this is where we're headed today. He made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commanding officials that he might not defile himself. Now, God granted Daniel what? Favor and compassion in the sight of the commanding officials. And the commanding officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of the Lord, my king, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. Good point. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence for the appearance of the youth who are eating the king's choice food, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, their appearance seemed better, and they were what? The Daniel diet just makes you fatter. I'm just throwing that out there for you. Just... Don't, I'm just done. Fatter, it really means healthier than all the youths who'd been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were drinking kept giving them what? As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days, which the king had specified for presenting, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them, not all of them was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. You may be seated and I pray that God's word would be incredibly blessed today. Here's something new for you. I just want to kind of throw this out there. But you can employ the power to be different. Did you know that? You can employ the power to be different. Here's a word of advice to you, no matter what age you're at, but specifically if you're young. Determine early in your life and determine early in your heart that you will not compromise your convictions. Determine early. Make a decision early. Make a resolute just decision. I'm not going to defile my commitment to my God. When I think about these four Hebrew teenagers, Psalm 1 immediately comes back to my mind. Psalm 1 speaks to the man who wouldn't be seduced by the counsel of the wicked. Why? Because his delight was in the law of his Lord. This accurately and beautifully describes Daniel and his friends. I mean, having been raised and trained by godly parents and grandparents, they loved the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, so they wouldn't give in. They have been prepared, I believe, with all my heart by their parents and spiritual mentors for this day, for this particular day when they would stand before a Babylonian pagan. But they would take courage and they would stay strong. They would resolve. They would resolve, man, in their heart that they were not going to be defiled So first of all, stay persistent in being different. Verse 8 says that Daniel made up his mind. He just made up his mind. Daniel resolved, in other words. 
The immersion into the worldview of pagan Babylon would not win his heart or his mind. Babylon is where he would live, but Babylon would not be his home. He was like Abraham. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, who designer and builder is God. And there's something beautiful, though, beneath the surface that you may not see now, but with incredible study, I have come to really understand the picture. Think about this with me. When you study the background of Daniel and you begin to study the historical context, you see that Daniel and his young friends' lives, you will discover that they came and they were a result of a national revival that came to Israel. These young men were the product of a great revival in Judah. There was a young boy named Josiah. He became king when he was just a boy. And one day some of the officials were cleaning over in the temple and they, they ran across a book. It was a book that had been neglected. Debris had covered it. It hadn't been seen in a very long, long time. So some of the officials wiped it off and they discovered it was the law of God. And they brought that book and they took it over to the palace and one of them began to read the law of God, the word of God to the king, young king Josiah. And the Bible tells me that when Josiah heard those words read, he tore his garments, he repented of his sin, and he turned and he called his very own nation to God. The young prophet Jeremiah was also preaching in the land, and God used a dedicated king and a great prophet Jeremiah, and under their leadership, a great revival broke out that entirely changed Daniel's family. If Daniel was 16 years old, which... It's between 14 and 17, the scholars tell us. But if Daniel was 16 years old, and it tells us that in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, that tells me then that Daniel and his family would have been influenced when Daniel was between seven and nine years of age. Go Sarah in children's ministry. At that time, he unsealed the doors that had been sealed by his grandfather Manasseh, that evil king. And in the temple, the word of God was found and the priest began to teach it and a great revival broke out. And young Daniel had given his life to his Messiah and he stayed persistent from the time he was young to the time he was a teenager. And to simply do that If you can simply just do that, just stay persistent from the time you come to Christ to the time you get into crisis, things are going to be different. If you simply just stay persistent, you're saying it's not possible. I'm telling you it's possible because Daniel did it. But you may not see it though, but do you see the difference his parents made too? Because they stayed persistent as well. Because they named him Daniel. There's something significant in biblical names. There's something significant there because Daniel's name said, God is my judge. So in other words, they named him this. You will not always have to give an account to us. You're going to have to give an account to your God, Daniel. So live that way. Always make your life choices based on the fact that you are going to stand before our great God, Daniel. God is your judge. And they taught him that from the time he came out of the womb. They stayed persistent in teaching their son that he would stand before God. And now he stands before an evil king and he will not bow down. They stayed persistent to teach him like found in the Psalms. Psalm 78, verses 5 through 7. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born. 
Well, is it a child in the womb? I think we just found the answer. It's a child that's not yet been born. That's free. I'm not preaching on it today, but I thought you need to know that. That they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. His parents taught him that. They stayed persistent in that over and over, every day teaching him the law of God. But let's come back to the text then. What did Daniel really make up his mind to do? The text is very specific. It tells us that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine which he drank. I think there's some good reasons why Daniel purposed not to go along. I think really, first of all, it could have been that based on Leviticus chapter 11, where it tells us about clean and unclean foods. According to the Jewish terminology, there were some foods that were kosher and some that were not. And Daniel was making a decision based on Old Testament law and how this food had even been prepared and exactly what it was, that it wasn't in accordance with God's law, so therefore he could not eat it. There may be a greater reason why Daniel didn't do this, and that would be because this food had also been sacrificed to the the god Marduk. In Exodus 34, verse 15, God had commanded His people, don't make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land after they go chasing after gods and sacrifice to their gods, and and they call you to eat of this sacrifice. His parents, and and from reading the book of the law under Josiah, he knew that God had said, "If, if this food has been sacrificed to idols, you can't eat it. And that's exactly what that food had been done. So here's young Daniel has these commandments of God, and he's under pressure to go along and just, just do what you're supposed to do. And yet, he makes an individual decision to not obey the orders of the king of the land. Could be simply, Daniel just said, I'm not going to come under your authority, but can I tell you really why I believe? Why I believe that Daniel was able to persist. I just don't think Daniel was just outside of my ability to relate to. I don't think he had that much resolve that he's that much different than me. Let me tell you how I think Daniel really stayed persistent. I believe after studying the book of Daniel for several months now, I believe that Daniel had a private devotional life. I find later we find him praying how many times a day? I think Daniel had a real rich personal devotional life. He had a dynamic relationship with his God. And one of the reasons Daniel stayed persistent is because he was persistent in his time with God. And that's how you employ the power to make a difference, as you rely upon the power that's found in personal devotion with God. One of the reasons it's important for you children and you students and you people in the room here today to have a quiet time and to spend time reading your Bible and searching out the heart of God is because that is going to be the raw material from which you will make all of the decisions in your life. You're going to have to decide one day, I promise you, you're going to have to decide one day which way you are going to live. You're going to have to make those decisions based on what you have learned by hiding it in your heart. The Bible says Daniel made up his mind. Another translation says he purposed in his heart Daniel dared to say two little letters that make up one of the most difficult words in the English language to say. Daniel just simply said no. 
It's not easy to say no when the pressure is on and the crowd and the peers around you and your friends and all everybody else is doing one thing. It's hard to stand up and say no, but to make a difference, you're going to have to be different. You're going to have to learn to say no to the things of this world. You're going to have to be persistent in that. So with courage and conviction, Daniel approached the chief here of the eunuchs and requested that he allow him to disregard the king's order and not defile himself. I think his parents would have been proud at this point. But it didn't happen overnight. I'm just telling you, Daniel just didn't one day just decide. He had made that decision a long time ago. He stayed persistent in that decision. But then here's something else. Seek permission to be different. Not only just stay persistent, but seek permission. Win the favor of those when possible. Win the favor of those around you. Win the favor of those in authority around you when possible. Daniel only had conviction, but he also had wisdom. God honored his servant because of that, because it says the Lord gave Jehoiakim into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 2, it says he gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Not verse 2, later. So Daniel shared his faith and his convictions with Aspenaz, and it moved this, this official, it moved this lost official, it moved him, the Bible says, to show him favor and have compassion on Daniel. Daniel stood his ground, but did so with grace and humility. He was not rude. He was not obnoxious. He didn't go out and cause a scene. He simply kindly asked permission to be different. He winsomely and with grace and kindness won over this very lost man, just like Joseph did and just like Esther did. To make a difference, you have to be different in how you make a difference. You and I are called to be kind. We don't have to be rude and loud and arrogant and name-calling and slandering and all the things that you see going on in the world today. You don't have to do that. If there are things that we are being forced to do that are not according to our convictions or the Word of God, you and I don't have to get crazy about it. One of the things we can do is simply just ask permission to do things another way. I know that seems like rocket science. But the Bible says something in Proverbs 16, 7. It says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. See, when your friends want to go do what they want to go do, or when your friends want to, want to go try something that you've never tried, and when they want to watch something you know you're not supposed to be watching, you can simply, in a very kind way, simply just say, can we do something else? And it may not always work out, but you don't have to go along. That's my point. Still, as impressed as Aspenaz was with Daniel, he feared more the wrath of the king and possibility of losing his head, Right? I mean, that's understandable, but if Daniel and his friends look poorly on inspection day, it's Aspenaz who's going to suffer the most, and probably not them, probably him. He's going to be the one held responsible. So Daniel has won the admiration and won his favor by simply seeking permission to do something different, but now there seems to be this impasse. It, it appears now that we have an unsolvable dilemma. That leads me to say this, then simply state possibilities to being different. You can seek permission, but then you have to state some possibilities of what to do with that permission. Verses 11 through 13 there in the text tell us that Daniel went before him and says, hey, can we try something for 10 days? 
You've got to wisely offer solutions that are win-win. Daniel exhibits a wisdom far beyond his years, a wisdom that can only come from God. It appears there are only two options in the text that I can find up until Daniel suggests something. The option number one is that they defile themselves. Option number two is, is that Aspenaz loses his head. Either we defile ourselves or Aspenaz loses his head. Those are the only two options. But Daniel says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So Daniel drops down to somebody in lower chain of command, somebody that Aspenaz has put over them, and he goes and he says, hey, test your servants for 10 days. Just 10 days. Let us be given some veggies and water, and then let's just see who looks the best. Now, the number 10 could be literal or symbolic. The issue is that he asks for a test, and in essence, he really puts God to the test. He is believing and trusting God to honor his convictions about not defiling himself. And so he says, God, if I'm not going to defile myself, I'm going to seek permission, and then I'm going to put out some possibilities, and I'm going to trust you to do what you do. Their diet would be simple, and in the process, it wouldn't break Mosaic laws. The vegetables weren't going to be offered to the pagan gods. So Chapel, a commentator, he says, holiness is risky business. Society may praise idealism, but it rarely will tolerate somebody living out those ideals. Daniel knew that defilement would only further distance him from his Lord, so he's going to risk everything, even his own life, before he defiles himself before his Lord. Chuck Swindoll, his commentary says this, he says, in a world filled with people who rebel against the divine king, it is inevitable that believers of all ages will face situations in which their convictions will be challenged. We who are parents need to prepare our children for those occasions by both teaching them God's truth and modeling integrity. And all of us who are Christians need to personally commit ourselves to living God's way regardless of what it may cost us. This is what Daniel and his friends have been taught from the time he's been young. They're going to live and die based on what they do with the Word of God. And Daniel states these other possibilities that wouldn't even have been thought of. When in these situations, when you're in situations and you're being forced to do something and you don't know how you're going to get out of it, just start stating possibilities. Just start asking God for wisdom. God, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do this? And the scripture says, if you ask God for wisdom, he will certainly give it to you. You don't have to go alone. (laughs) You don't. You just stay persistent. Just start seeking permission to keep being different and then give people possibilities for what it looks like for you to stay different when they don't want you to be different. You can employ that power. You just stay stay persistent in that. But then finally, and this is where I want to leave you today, you can experience the positives to be different. There's some positives about being different. I want you to see this. See, A lot of people think that this holiness stuff takes away all the fun. <laughs> But really, I don't think so. At the end of the day, you have to trust God to honor your decision. The great missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, said this. He said, unless there's an element of extreme risk in our exploits for God, there's no need for faith. I mean, if I'm just living comfortably and it isn't really going to cost me anything, I don't need to have faith. There is little doubt that Daniel and his friends, faith, they had faith that God would honor their devotion and they could just put together this extreme risk either lose their lives or somebody else would lose theirs. The fact is, is the extreme risk potentially could involve the death of Aspenes, his steward, and Daniel and his friends. 
But Daniel and his friends decided that they would remain faithful no matter what. Compromise, listen to me, friends. Compromise was not a word found in Daniel's vocabulary. So he stayed faithful. Then what were some of the positive outcomes? I can't promise you this, but you keep walking with the Lord doing his things and you may see physical improvement. You actually may see physical improvement. A lot of people suffer the consequences of sin physically because they don't do what God said. I'm not promising you're going to be healthy. That's why I use the word may. You may see physical improvement. The steward of the chief eunuch listened to the four Hebrews and allowed them to pursue this dietary test for 10 days. The test was a resounding success that God had blessed them and rewarded their devotion. And verse 15 says there in the text, it says that they seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. Daniel and his friends resisted what, what another old, old, old preacher said. They, they resisted the king's sweet poison. The steward, as a result of their appearance and strength, he said this, he took away their food and their wine and gave them vegetables. Daniel and his friends had honored God, and God had honored them by giving them favor with the guard, but also giving them a very healthy body. I'm just telling you, you do God's things God's ways, you tend to get better results than if you don't. I'm not promising you health. But I'm just telling you, there's more of a chance that you're going to be healthy doing it God's way than if you didn't. That's all I'm telling you. But then secondly, you may also see perceptive insight. You may see perceptive insight. In verse 17, it says, God gave them knowledge and intelligence and every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Verse 20, it tells us they were 10 times better than all the rest. It's interesting here that knowledge has to do with reasoning skills and thought processes. Understanding has to do with insight. So they could discern the way, the nature of how true, how things really were and interpret them in light of that and know what to do in light of all that. Verse 20 says that in every matter, in every matter of wisdom and understanding, they were 10 times better than the magicians and enchanters that were in the kingdom. Again, this 10 is an idiom that means many times. It doesn't mean that there was some scale and you got a one, you were three times better, you were five times better. To say 10 times better was a, a way of saying they were incredibly better. They were better than the scripture says there in verse 20, the magicians and conjurers. And throughout the rest of Daniel, we're going to run into some of these terms. So let me quickly unpack them for you. A magician is not somebody that you see on stage. There weren't people pulling rabbits out of the hat. I'm just telling you, that wasn't what was going on. Hey, Daniel, you want to see a card trick? That wasn't what was going down. These magicians, it was a general word to mean anyone who practiced the occult. Anyone who practiced the occult was considered a magician. An enchanter was those who would use incantations in exorcisms. So... You know, Alibaba and the 40 thieves come out of her. Sorcerers, those who would bewitch or cast a spell. Astrologers, this priestly class in Babylonian religion who thought that they could tell the direction of their lives by looking at the stars. Diviners, those who would seek to ascertain the degree of the fate of others. So it's kind of like a modern-day palm reader. Tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. Let me read your palm and why you grease mine, and we'll figure something out. 
They were so far beyond these people, the Bible tells me. They were so far above them. They were 10 times better. And others are just a magnitude of, of betterness for them. And striking irony here in this situation, these were the people that they thought they knew everything, but God gave these four young teenagers knowledge and understanding of, of everything. Here's, here's what blows my mind. My teenagers think they know everything, but they don't. These four teenagers didn't think nobody thought they knew everything, but they did know everything. Boy, could I have some of those teenagers. Kessa, there's hope for you. God specifically blessed Daniel spiritually by giving him understanding and visions and dreams. That's going to become incredibly important in chapter 2 and beyond. See, you may, you may actually see some of this. You may begin to see... You may see some perceptive insight when you begin to walk with God to see things differently, but I'm going to leave you with this thought here. You may actually see personal influence. After three years of education, the four Hebrew teenagers are brought by the eunuchs to stand before the king. Verse 18, the Bible says they, the king is specific. After three days, after these time, you're going to come stand before us. And this commander presented them before King Nebuchadnezzar. And the Bible tells me in verse 20, there was none found who were better than these four teenagers. I mean, in every way, they were found better. In every way. I think this brings up a New Testament principle that I want you to see, and that's Colossians chapter 3. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, but those who are merely pleased men as those who do, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ in whom you serve. Daniel knew that he was going there to serve his Lord. And he was going to do it his Lord's way. And he received the inheritance that God had promised him. You see, if you want to make a difference, you have to be different. And when you are, there are going to be some positives that God's going to bless you with. And here's the greatest one that I think we all want to make, and that is we all want to have personal influence on people's lives. So let me just take a deeper look at this, about this personal influence, unpack it for you, and then we'll have an invitation. You ready for this? This is good. I saved the best for last. Look down in verse 21. You see, in your Bible, you think that this is just a footnote. You just think this is just a transition statement to get us from chapter 1 to chapter 2. But I believe that every word of God is inspired. I believe that every single verse is there for a reason. Verse 21 says, And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. That's incredible. It's not a footnote. This is talking about that Daniel lived through the entire Neo-Babylonian period and continued through the reign of Cyrus when the Jews were released from their captivity. This is a very influential time in history. But think about this. Daniel's personal life was influenced in three ways. His own body makeup was, was influenced. His body was influenced by this. He was better in appearance. His spirit was influenced by this because God gave him understanding and vision. His mind was influenced in this because he was sharp with his understanding. It had influence on him personally, but then it had a personal influence. Think about his three friends. Do you think if Daniel hadn't resisted at the very beginning and set the example, we're not going to eat the food? Do you think later when we get over to these three friends and Daniel isn't there, these three friends are standing in a fire? Who do you think influenced whom? Daniel influenced his three friends by his righteousness, so much so that they would be willing to risk their life the same way that Daniel was willing to risk his.
But see, you may not have understood it. He also influenced three kings. We talked about that earlier. Three kings. He influenced King Nebuchadnezzar. He influenced King Belteshazzar. And he influences King Cyrus. But there are three other kings that I think you may need to know about that you may not know that Daniel also influenced. Years later, there's some wise men of those astrologers and they're looking up in the heavens one day and they see this bright shining star and they come from Babylon and where do they go to? They go to the city of David. And who do they meet in the city of David? They meet the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. They meet Daniel's Messiah. I wonder, did Daniel have influence upon those kings? I wonder, did Daniel, in his personal devotion not to compromise himself, actually live out God's plan to the very beginning that God was going to send Daniel on a mission trip? to live in a very dark place, to shine very brightly so that other people could see his Messiah. You see, you and I may not ever know the influence that we have, but I can tell you Daniel was, was making a difference because he was different. When Daniel made the decision in his heart, he had that decision and influence on everybody else that was around him. Everybody else that was around him was influenced by Daniel. Can I just tell you today that everybody in this room, you have a sphere of influence. And you're either influencing people for the kingdom or you're influencing people for something other than the kingdom. The decisions you are making today will impact them greatly. So to make a difference, you have to be different. Remember Eric Little? You remember I told you that he said, those whom honor the Lord, the Lord will honor. I wonder where he got that. Well, he got it from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. The Bible says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel declares... I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. That's God's plan, that you are going to be different. And the Lord now declares, if you will be different, far from it me, but for those who honor me, I will honor. I wonder right now, just as my band is making their way up here, and we're not in the invitation as of yet, but I wonder right now, would you pull that verse back up on the screen for me, sweetheart? I wonder right now, would you just maybe go before the Lord right now and say, Lord, I really want to honor you. How do you want me to honor you? Maybe you just want to pray right now and just go before the Lord right now and just meditate on that verse. Lord, those, he says, who honors me, I will honor. And, and, and just make it your desire right now that I want to honor you, Lord. Just talk to him right now over that verse. Would you just meditate on that verse right now, just for a moment? We just want to honor you today. Lord, in all that we do, we just want to honor you. Just with our lives, God, with this church, with our families, our finances, God, our, our witness, we just want to honor you. You see, Daniel, Daniel and his three commanders remained faithful to their true identity. They obeyed God and they were a shining testimony and witness to God's providence and his grace. God sent them on a missionary journey, leaving all that was familiar, that they might bear a faithful and true witness to the kings and nations and foreign lands. But they beautifully typify somebody else that I don't want you to miss what this text is really pointing us to. They beautifully typify another Hebrew who arrived 600 years later 
who was also sent to a foreign land to bear witness to the one true God. And, and this, this is another Jew, and his name is Jesus. You see, like Daniel and his friends, the Son of God would leave his home and willingly embrace a sinful world without ever defiling himself even once. Because Jesus had purposed in his heart that he would not sin against his father. And just like these Hebrew boys, the Bible tells me in Luke 2.40 that he would find favor with both God and man. And when Jesus was still a child, his teachers said that they were amazed at his wisdom and his insight. Jesus is the greater Daniel. There's certain divine irony in all this, and it's hard to miss. It's, it's grace-filled and gospel-rich. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah will give a faithful witness before Aspenaz and Nebuchadnezzar and be brought to live in the king's palace. But Jesus would give a faithful witness before Herod and Pilate and be nailed to a cross. And yet, it is by that death that everyone who would trust in Jesus then would live with the King of Kings in his eternal palace. So be strong and of good courage in whatever God calls you to do. But can I just tell you this? To make a difference, you're going to have to be different. So as you stand to your feet, I want to tell you about the first way that you can be different. The first way that you can be different is simply this. You can simply just right now, just understand that you are a sinner before God. That God's wrath is already upon you. I think that's incredibly interesting. Maybe the Lord wanted that to happen for me to transition this way. The Bible says that for every single person who does not receive the Lord Jesus, they will be cast into eternal darkness. They will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did you know today that God had a plan for you to be in this place this day to hear this preacher tell you that God so loved you that he doesn't want to ever have to punish you? That God so loved you that he sent Jesus to die on a cross to pay your, pay your payment. That if you would simply just believe that Jesus died in your place on a cross, that he was buried for you and that he was raised for you, that you could have everlasting life. You could have his righteousness and Jesus would take your sin. If you're going to be different, you have to start there. So I'm going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to ask anybody who would like to receive the Lord Jesus to simply come down here. And I know you're thinking we're crazy, but I'm telling you, we also have the baptistry ready again. Just believe, man, that God wants to do things in this body. So if you need the Lord Jesus, just come. We're going to lead you through that. And we can baptize you here today. We have clothes for you. Just take all the excuses away. We, we can do that today. But there's some of you also maybe who feel like maybe you haven't really made a difference, that you've kind of compromised some things, that you have maybe been defiled. I want you to know that the same blood that frees you from the sin in the first place can free you from the guilt today. I don't know maybe what you want to do, what you want to pray about, but we'll be here. There will people will be here to receive you. I'm going to pray. We'll sing. You come. Father, would you do what you always do?
And that is, you're going to do something with your word. It will never return void. And I pray it in Jesus' precious name.